Discussing Network. and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today we're here to discuss the season 3 premiere of Star Trek Discovery, That Hope Is You. Like always, I'm your host Clarence and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the tech historian, Carrie Brown. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Also, we have the Who historian, Cal Jones. How you doing? I'm glad to be here and uh, yeah, can't wait to talk about this. Also, from the Radio Room Studios in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, we have the Trek historian, John DeSource. How are you doing? Doing great, man. Doing great. Ready to give my opinion about this episode. Hmm. And also, we have the Stargate historian, Jeremy Barrow. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm also ready to discuss this episode. Yeah, so we finally done with Lord Dex and on to, um, you know, live action Star Trek. Are we happy about that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I feel like the last episode of Lord Dex was a perfect transition to this. Any transition. <laughs> well said, Carrie. Well it's said. an upward, upward incline towards this, I feel like. All right. Well, guys, you can support the show by subscribing, leaving a review and telling a friend. If you have a review idea, please send that in along with anything else you want to tell us or us to know to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on any and all of the social medias. Guys. Do you have any news items that you'd like to talk about today? Uh, I'm going to leave the floor open. Um, I know uh, they did announce that season four of, Disco- of uh, Discovery is going to start production next month. He actually is next week, I think. Yeah, it's, it's early November they're going to start. Yeah, yeah. I think they're already on site and doing their pre-quarantine thing. And and yeah, they're getting ready to, to kick things off already which i'm excited about that uh that's good to know that that you know the next season is already getting kicked off and on its way which i don't think they've even started picard yet i know they started writing for it but i'm pretty sure they haven't started uh shooting for that yet so that's a little weird Uh oh (laughs) we may get more discovery before we get more picard yeah well i think we'll get lower decks before we get either one of them (laughs) (laughs) and i did read a blurb and this is just interesting that Discovery season three is the first TV show where the full season was edited at home. Yeah, I saw that too. And not in the studio. Yeah, visuals as well as the music was all done remotely. So that's pretty interesting that, um, you know, Discovery is charting a new course there for the rest of the television production that's out there. So I find it very interesting that they were able to pull this off as witnessed by the first episode. I think they did a wonderful job. Let's hope that level of production continues. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the norm for many shows that we'll hear this more and more and more and more and more and more and more, if you get my point. Yeah, and also I read to where they're also planning to get a Mandalorian-style backdrop screen for some of their production. Yeah, the AR wall. Yeah, the AR wall. So that could be very interesting to see what they can do with that or use it as well as they've done on the Mandalorian. I mean, that, that tech, it just looks fantastic on that show. And, you know, you can't even hardly tell they're not, they're not in a real place. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. If you, if you, um, only thing I want to say is if you don't know what an AR wall is, there is a Mandalorian feature it where they talk about it and they show how they use it in a production. Um, I'll see if I can find a link to it, but it's a really interesting watch and it'll give you something to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, man. So we are ready to get just dive into um, 
or be thrust into our review of Star Trek Discovery That Hope Is You, which aired on October the 15th, 2020, directed by Alatunde Onsunsami, written by Michelle Paradise, Jenny Lumet, and Alex Kirksman. Arriving 930 years in the future, Burnham navigates a galaxy she no longer recognizes while searching for the rest of the USS Discovery crew. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an undemon. At ease before you spray something. Let's go around the horn and get everybody's high-level view of this episode. And let's start with you, Jeremy. What did you think? I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Awesome. Awesome. I'm sure we'll get into more of that later on why you loved it so much. John, what do you think, man? Man, I don't know if it was because we started so low or is really that good. But man, I could have watched that 15 times straight and loved it more each time. Wow. Awesome to hear. Awesome to hear. Cal Jones, what do you think, man? I don't know if I want to keep up the same vein as what everybody else is saying, but you know what? I think I will keep up the same vein because there's absolutely nothing that can be said about this. This was, I think, well needed and well received. So loved it. Carrie, thoughts? Well, 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 I just want to be smug for a minute and um say that, yes, I also enjoy the episode, but I find it highly hilarious that, John and um, Jeremy enjoyed the episode so much, considering that uh, <laughs> considering that Michael spent part of the episode acting like Mariner. Um, <laughs> I, I just think it's hilarious that they just loved it. With good reason. With good reason. <laughs> just give me a good reason and I'm down for it. We had right. a good reason for that. I have a point. Yeah. So I'm going to do something a little bit differently. I'm going to put somebody on the spot, but somebody give me just a quick high level summary of what happened in the episode. Just the events of the episode. Who who would like to take on that task? OK, so Burnham hits something. She falls to the ground. She gets high <laughs> and she goes to find um, an acolyte and raises a flag in the story. Well, if you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what happened but I think I think what's so interesting about that is all of the details and, and how we actually got there so um, yeah thank you thank you for that summary sir I appreciate it <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> so let's just kick things off by talking about that freaking cold open and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna turn to my two two tech guys here Carrie and John what did we think about this display of um, 32nd century tech in star trek was was this too off-putting or is this exactly what we would have have expected to see here so in this situation to me like because and i'm sure they planned it this way because we are so far in the future it's hard to take anything off the table that makes sense uh it i liked it now overall just aesthetically pleasing Technically, it was feasible, a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, some things may have been a bit of a stretch, but when you're talking that much more in the future, like I would I would have been disappointed if we hadn't have had some of that. So I loved it all in all. Carrie, thoughts? 
So, yeah, I thought it was a pretty sublime way to transition into the new season. A couple things, like when the bird first appeared and the time was on the bird, and I noticed the guy was looking up, I was like, oh, my God, please don't smash the bird. Because I, I thought he was just going to, you know, like what we, what we do with alarm clocks, which is like, ah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ah, turn off. And, you know, it was very, like, the whole thing was just very sublime. And you could tell, at least I did from this episode, like, I didn't know anything that was going on. I just could see, like, in this in this future world, this guy, he pretty much had one purpose. You could tell that from the opening there. Like, he had one purpose. And as far as the technology part goes, I really didn't have a problem with it. It, I don't know. It's really hard, you know, when you're in the future of the future. Like, <laughs> it, it's kind of hard to, like, complain. But it, it seemed, it didn't to me really seem that different. Like hmm. when we get into the later part of the episode where we see all these moving consoles and stuff like that part to me seemed a lot more future futuristic, if you will, than this particular part. Because like the stuff he was doing didn't really seem to me to be that different than what I would expect to see in a regular Star Trek episode. Yeah, I mean, that's basically could have been any holodeck in you yeah. know in TNG era, you know, so the way I usually base my opinions on the tech in Star Trek. Like, and I always say this, the reason I love Trek is because the things that you see nine times out of 10, they're at least plausible. Like you have a hope that, hey, we could actually get there. Like that could be something. So like, for instance, this opening scene with this guy, you know, he's on this holographic. Now the clock and the bird thing was a bit for me, but <laughs> uh, the like the bed being a hologram, like I can see that. Like I yeah. can see that happening for us. Like we're scientists already experimenting with like small teleportation lasers. They can teleport a beam of light in certain distance, okay. like uh, holographic images that has texture that you can touch. They've already done that on a very small scale. But so it's plausible. So there's not really a lot in this episode that I looked at and said, there's no way ever. You know what I mean? Like the trick in me says it's possible and I'm okay with it. Well, see, man, like that's a funny thing about technology, about like assuming what's plausible. Cause like if you would have told me 20 years ago that I would have something in the palm of my hand that was more powerful than a PC I just built, like I would look at you like you were crazy. It's, it's just one of those things where like, I don't know. I'll go back to what Henry Ford said. He's like, if I would ask people what they wanted, they would have just said a faster horse. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's it's one of those things where I kind of expect to see something that I would say there's no way that that's possible. Um, shoot, people in Japan are building Gundams right now. Like, I mean, like, yeah, so yeah. you just, you don't ever know until you get the idea. So yeah. I didn't really have a problem with that. So, so Kyle, I'm ask you, do you think they did a pretty good job of giving the impression of the passage of time. Cause I feel like this was a very groundhog esque montage. They kind of showed us there. Yeah, I think they did. And this was, well, all right. Well, before I heard the three of you guys just talking just now, this was the only problem that I had with the entire episode. And my problem was that 900 years had passed in an instant for Barnum. And yet she is able to, interact with their computers just as well as she was an episode ago when she was on the, you know, discovery. I know from a viewer's perspective that we didn't have the time to see them teach Burnham quote unquote, how to use their technology. So you kind of had to wash over that a little bit, but I think they washed over it. Well, 
I mean, it 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 kind of just flowed to me. So I do so, think they presented it well. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get in. If you're talking about bookship, that's the only. I don't remember interacting with any technology in the whole episode, to be honest. But but we can bring it up later if you think it comes up later in the discussion because I don't I don't remember interacting with anything. Well, she well, interacted with his ship, but didn't she also? Um, do something when they were on the um, when they were on Rickle? at the mercantile. Yeah, the only thing, the only tech I know she interacted with was pretty much just the gun thing. Um, hmm. But in my opinion, like even with that, like to me, that spoke to like I don't want to say regression of society, but I feel like the fact that Starfleet collapsed and there was no imperative to like go out and seek new worlds and take them out like that that whole spiel like i feel like that technology didn't progress quite as far as it could have yeah true and that could be one reason why she doesn't really have a problem i mean because she yeah. like she's on the ship she's calling out parts and stuff like this is this and this is you know so i just took it as technology didn't really advance as much as it could have yeah that kind of goes back to what you said carrie like you know, since since the Federation is gone, it's like nobody's created the car. They just created faster horses. <laughs> like <laughs> pretty much, she knew yeah. how to ride the horse. It was just a faster horse. And to to piggyback off what both of you just said, you go back to the nineteen forties and you look at people's fantasizing of what it would be like even forty years from then. They were anticipating flying cars in the nineteen eighties, <laughs> et cetera, and so forth. So my assumption for nine hundred years between where she was and where she ended up and reality going from where she was to where they ended up, it's logical to say that it was what it was. Well, and that's the thing with the future and we're going to get into it, but the future that we're in, it's probably more, it, it's definitely more dystopian than utopian because like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Cause it's definitely not what it would have been had the Federation survived. So she befriends this guy who she crashed into upon her entry from the wormhole. But I'll throw this back to you, Carrie. I know you're a Star Wars fan. Is Booker just a little too close to someone else we know from the Star Wars universe, even from his ship where the cockpit is kind of on the side of the ship? Does that remind you of anything? Yeah, I was getting some Han Solo vibes from him. Um, you know, I always call Kirk the intergalactic James Bond. So we re- we need a intergalactic Han Solo. And I feel <laughs> like he could, he could hit he could fit the bill. His his ship definitely with the um asymmetrical like cockpit like it it definitely gave me some Millennium Falcon vibes and he kind of seems he kind of seems like his personality like kind of seems like a Han Solo me first type personality so yeah you know yeah even even like in the ship itself there's this table section that kind of looks like that same section on the Millennium Falcon kind of oh, like wow. wow they're really kind of ripping this off. Yeah, they definitely took some inspiration, I feel like. I see that's so weird because I did not read any of that. <laughs> I did not either. I'm like a huge Star Wars fan, so like shoot, yeah, I, I, I am could too, I could draw, but I just I can draw I can draw a Star Wars inspiration from like a Apple, so like it it doesn't take a whole lot for me. <laughs> I definitely got the vibes though. Does that does that do you do that does that ring true to you now, Cal? Or it feels like it feels like we're pulling straws here. You know what I think diverged me from that? I think I might would be on board with that had they not revealed that he had some type of 
connection slash ability, I think that is what blocks me from seeing a Han, Han Solo image. Yeah, it, he initially comes off as a Han. I'll give you that, Kyle. He initially comes off as a Han Solo type, like archetype. I don't know what the archetype yeah. is because I don't know what they are. But like, but you see that there's a lot more to him. There's some more layers there. So yeah, they they kind of took. I feel like they took a little inspiration from Han Solo, but you end up seeing that he's not really that much of a selfish character at yeah. all. He's working towards a greater good too. Seems yeah, you're right. You're right, Kyle. Seemingly a smuggler who only cares about himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 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 if I take that other out of it, then yes, uh, all over Han Solo. Hmm. Well, you know what I kept seeing, and this is going to be way off base, but I just kept every time I see him and we see scenes with him, I always thought, and I can't think of the character's name or the show, and maybe you guys can, but it was a show that ran for like six seasons. I don't remember what channel, but anyway, it was a group of people like they would like have these great schemes to like break into the places and. Like if like, for instance, if a dictator was going to blow up a city or something, they figured out this grand scheme and like Are you talking about leverage. In. Yeah, there you go. The guy <laughs> on there, the, the black guy on there. Oh, Aldous Hodge. Yeah, you know, nothing alike, I, don't know man. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's just I, that's what kept bringing to mind. Like the way he carried himself kind of just reminded me of that without the nerdy part. But hmm. Okay, so thank you, Jonathan, because the last time I said that I thought that this guy was Aldous Hodge, I I kind of got <laughs> called on that. So thank you, uh, dude. If you if you would have said like I thought he was Idris Elba or something, maybe, but like Aldous Hodge, <laughs> nah, nah, he's like a broke ass Idris Elba. He's not. He's nothing like Aldous Hodge. Idris <laughs> Elba just. I mean, just the accent. That's the only thing that made me think of him. <laughs> I would have never drew that parallel, but hey. Brown or someone told me, oh, so it, the only other black man that was on uh, <laughs> Star Trek Discovery I had to assume was this guy. That's kind of what I want to tell Judd. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. He is the only other black dude to be except for like a random crew member. Hey. <laughs> we have the communication officer. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, the random dude. <laughs> You had the doctor. The, the, oh, yeah, the yeah. Hugh Cob- Co- uh, Colbert. In, in the credits, he's literally a random black dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well let's, let's go a little, little further. Uh, let's get into, you know, these two team up. You know, they both crash into each other, crash on the planet, and they se- seemingly have like-minded goals to get the ship under, up and running. You know, he's Burnham's hope at this moment to, to contacting her crew. And he's going to take her with him as he goes to the rec room to get more dilithium. I want to stop you right there for a second and just ask a question. Like, how believable is it that a person in a suit crashing into a huge ship causes it to crash? Like, it, it, did she, like, hit the engine or something that I missed something? Because, like, that was the part that I was just like, that seems kind of unbelievable. I mean, well, if anything, it seems like she should have, like, um, disintegrated or something. <laughs> Well, if if it if it wasn't the Red Angel suit, I would say yeah. But with that suit has already been proven to be pretty powerful. Oh, so uh, she's like Master Chief in it or something? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, <laughs> pretty much. All right, all right. yeah. All right, continue. I'm sorry. Those two team up and they head toward the rec room. And while they're on their journey, he mentions to her why is she wearing that antique suit only true believers were that you know what's going on and he pretty much just tells her that the federation is gone and an event called the burn is what caused their eventual decimation we think 
are we okay with their explanation of what the burn actually was? And I know we didn't get, you know, minute details about it, but we just got a general overview. Oh, something happened that destroyed all the dilithium in the galaxy. Are you okay with that loose definition of what the burn is? Well, I played enough Fallout games that it seemed believable to me, so I was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he seemed did like say a- most of the dilithium. Uh, and, I, you know, before we watched Discovery, I probably would have had more of a problem with it. But because we've watched the Discovery, we know that they have been... Even in Discovery Timeline, they were playing with something that affected things, affected space on the atomic scale. The mycelial network? Right. So, if they were doing that then, imagine what could have been happening. Like, I don't know how, I'm probably botching this all up, but I'm just, somebody could have been playing with the atomic structure of dilithium. And I mean, if, if you break everything in existence down, it all breaks down to the atoms. And if somebody tried to maybe, for instance, I'm going to collect all of the dilithium in the universe with this machine or whatever the case may be, maybe they just blew it up. I don't know. I was OK with it. Though. I think about it like Chernobyl. Like, just think about how far Chernobyl, Chernobyl set back nuclear development. So, like, it seemed plausible to me. Yeah. I almost think that they may try to tie the mycelial network back into why it exploded. Cause that's the only thing we really know in Star Trek that's sort of like that dark energy we talk about in relativity <laughs> that kind of runs through everything. Right. Hmm. I don't know. And it could also end up being control. Just saying. Hmm. I hope not. <laughs> Jeremy, any thoughts on the burn? I was going to say, if it ends up being controlled, that kind of ruins that whole Section 31 show, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't think that show is going to happen. I hope not. That's that's the one I, I don't really want. <laughs> I mean, they're, 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 you can't oversaturate the market. But, um, I mean, I was okay with, with not finding out immediately what happened. And they, they, they may not know themselves what actually happened because, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later. He can only, the guy at the station can only see a certain part, a few sectors of space. Yeah. So maybe that information just hasn't got to everybody yet. But I, I'm okay with just the little bit of information we got so far. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and jump on along to the Requiem and um, talk about the look and feel and maybe some of the antics that ensued while we were there. Seemed kind of Babylon 5 esque to me, but. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just not, not that that's like, a though. bad thing. It just I got I got mad Babylon Five vibes from that whole thing, that whole like setup. I think it was just one of those like every Orion market we've seen before, yeah. know, which we haven't seen many. But like I, I I didn't really put much into it. I was like, oh yeah, one of these places again. Carrie, it's funny that you said that because some of the people did look like Membari. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, one of the things I. You know, they kind of said it was this broker or a place for exchanges and um, transactions is kind of the central hub for that. The, you have runners like Book who come and take these contracts to do these runs and things. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I, you know, we saw the Andorians, we saw the Orions and we saw this new alien, which is um, the one that Book stole the the uh, creature from. But I, and also we saw a somewhere in there. That's not the 
I think it's Levian. Levian? Levian? Lurian. Lurian? Levidian. Levidian. Leviticus? Is the, the, um, yeah, so we saw those races, but I think what was interesting is the races we didn't see and really the races we don't know much about because I think I would, I'd instantly started thinking about like, what are the Borg up to after all of these events? You know, um, what do the Klingons look like now? You know, are we even going to see them? Are they going to go back to the wharf style? You know, all those things kind of ran in my head after we only saw those few aliens that we see in this episode. So I do hope we see more of the different species throughout the rest of the season. What do you think about Burnham actually getting this gas that, you know, truth serum or whatever you want to call it? And the amount of emotion we actually saw saw out of her in this episode is probably more than we've seen in a whole series. Brilliantly acted. She, I watched that three times and the range of emotion that she portrayed within a 180 second span was brilliant. I mean, just hands down brilliant, fun, energetic, sad. Uh, she just like was telling off on herself, left, right, center, <laughs> uh, totally, totally fun. But another testament to the character, she's high off of whatever it is that they gave her, but she can still kick ass just like the best of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And she seems like she was resisting it pretty well at first too. Yeah. More than they expected. Talking about the day she, you wouldn't believe the day I've had. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she's been through a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And she dropped a few curse words in there. What do you think about that, Jeremy? You know, it was, it, I was okay with it. It actually kind of fit. I'd probably do the same. I'd probably be cussing like a sailor too, considering the day that I had and, you know, then all this is going on. I could see myself throwing a hissy fit like that. Yeah, just the journey from seeing her step off of that transporter pad as Sarek's ward to that moment is huge. Yeah. <laughs> She's changed so much over the span of what? I don't know how many years now. Seven, eight years. Nine hundred and oh, yeah. yeah, they mentioned that. She said, like, I'm a thousand years old. That's like a Doctor Who joke they did in there. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty brilliant. <laughs> like, look at them pulling the Who jokes with the time. All right, I'll see you. What do you think about the fact that we only saw Burnham? Uh, well, well, we didn't we didn't see the discovery. I'll say that. I mean, of course, we only saw Burnham. We saw Book is going to be a staple throughout the rest of the season. We didn't see discovery. Now, we also didn't see this discovery in the first two episodes of the show. So it's it's not like it's unprecedented. But, yeah, I mean, I, I was anxious to see how they would bring the discovery in, but obviously we're going to get a resolution to that by the end of this, by the next episode, hopefully. And we'll talk about it by the, you know, very end of this episode. But yeah, I was, I was a bit shocked, but I was thankful because it, it managed to do one of the things opposite of what was done on Lord Dex, where it kind of just stayed with the same storyline. And I appreciated the simplicity of that. Instead of jumping all around, we got to stick, we got to live with Burnham as she went through this introduction into this new whole new world, this whole new reality that she's in. So I appreciate it not jumping around actually at this point. Um, I think it made this episode feel all the more epic because it felt like it felt like a movie in a, in a lot of senses. Um, the fact that we stuck with Burnham the whole time. So we can hold this to the end, but I have a theory about discovery, but we can hold this to the end. 
And like, if I may add, like it, it to me, them not showing the discovery, I think helped the episode because it, it lent weight to the fact that she feels alone and, you know, to her knowledge, the discovery didn't make it or they don't know if it made it or not. And she's essentially alone in this new time, this new universe, essentially. And I feel like if they would have been cutting back and forth, it would have kind of taken some weight away from that. Yeah. And it just would have taken the connection of like we needed a good plot, like a good not plot change, but a like we need to feel connected to this time. And if we were to be on discovery too much, we'd still feel like yeah. this time is separate. Like we after this episode, like we're here. Like this is where this show takes place. And there will be discovery and their characters here. But this is where we are. And yeah. I think if we had had Discovery, we wouldn't have had that feeling. Yeah, and just these great moments between Book and Burnham. I believe that was that was necessary for this episode. You know, I don't want to know your name. <laughs> it really establishes character, too, because, I mean, yeah. this is the only person. And she even, like, emotionally displays that to him. Like, please help me. Like, I'm I'm alone. And, yeah, he, know, he's it, her hope. He That's I mean, he is her hope in this episode. I mean, I think yeah. we get the hope message repeated several times in this episode. And that's what, it, it, the first time is when Burnham actually makes it to the future. She's the hope for the future. <laughs> She's the reason the future is there. Um, and then, you know, it's echoed again in their relationship between Burnham and Booker. So, yeah, you're exactly right on that. Uh, but Book, Book does portray her a little bit at the Requiem. Um, I didn't really see that coming. So I did. <laughs> can you elaborate a little bit on that? Because I didn't expect him to portray her so quickly and easily. But the whole time he's like, I don't want to know your name. I don't yeah. want to know nothing about you. Like, yeah, I just felt like it was, oh, the cross okay. was coming. He didn't want to get close. I was mentally preparing myself for it. I wasn't a completely sure when it happened. I was like, oh, yep, there you go. And it's funny because, you know, Burnham is super smart, but I can still see her being gullible in a sense. And I hate to say that because she is super smart and kicks I don't tail. even see I don't see it as her being gullible, though. Like she trusted him because she didn't have a choice. Like True. what else, okay. what else is she going to do? Fair enough. Fair <laughs> like, enough. Fair like that was her only option. I don't think it, she did it because she was naive. Like that was just the best option she had, you know, and she didn't really matter if he was planning to betray her or not. That was her best ticket to get where she wanted to go. So, Jeremy, what do we think about this old chase sequence we get? You know, Burnham and Book hook back up, take on the brokers and try to make the grand escape to to get back to the ship. We get to see the site to site transporter. We get to see these hand gun thingies, disruptor thingies. Uh, what's, what's, what's your thoughts on that whole escape and maybe some of the uh, ensuing chase to the ship? First thing about the the weapon is that I was watching this episode with my middle child who hates everything I like. And he absolutely refuses to let me have one of those weapons because of the mass de- <laughs> sheer mass destruction I would cause where they're just playing around with it. But um, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really fun. It was uh, it, it gave me that sense of, oh, crap, something, you know, we need to run. And it was very it was, I thought it was very well done and I enjoyed it. John, the site, the site transporters. I mean, well, personal transporters, as they call them. <laughs> you down for that? Yeah, I'm down for that. I, and as a matter of fact, I'm kind of into the season of DS9 where we're getting a lot of the uh, crossover from the alternate universe. And they always carry this little thing that's about the size of a soda can. And it's a 
basically a personal transporter, but it's a little different. I mean, it transports them to a different universe. Yeah. But I mean, still, they had that at DS9. So 900 <laughs> years later, I could see that being a personal. And we've had site to site transporters, like yeah. personal transporters throughout Trek, not quite as sophisticated and fast. Usually I had to set up a lot of equipment to do so. But I was okay with it. I was actually happy to see it. I mean, that's the one thing throughout Trek that hadn't really advanced much was the transporters. Yeah. So they eventually get back to the ship and we see that book is a little more altruistic than we may have previously thought. He's a what animal freer animal (laughs) rescuer guy. What? What? Too little. Dr. Doolittle? No! He's the Doolittle of Trek. He is not Dr. Doolittle. How dare you? (laughs) Oh, man. uh, So, did they mention, like, what alien race he was? Uh, I I think he's he's a mutation, though. Like, whatever he is, he's a mutation of his race, because they even kind of go into that. Yeah. And maybe he was human and just mutated some kind of way. I don't see too many humans glow when they pray. Well, you haven't seen too many mutated (laughs) humans either. (laughs) I don't know if that's true or not. (laughs) Well, he did say it's a feature. Well, not feature. It's his family were a group of, you know, his family have been smugglers over the years. And maybe that's something that they've some technology that they've adopted among themselves over the years. Did you say smugglers or hunters? Well, hunter, smuggler, animal. You know, I, I, I equated with animals and poaching and things like that. But that's what I assumed he was talking about. Hmm. Yeah, that was that was that was a bit of a shock. I, I didn't expect that at all. Speaking of Star Wars, this was very Star Wars esque, like balancing out the universe. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got that. I got a vibe, Star Wars vibe from there too. And, and Grudge is basically Chewie, right? <laughs> I like the cat, Chunky. <laughs> yeah, that's a big. You cat. have a big cat. Hush <laughs> your mouth. <laughs> oh man. So a few other things mentioned. Um, that I failed to bring up earlier was the temporal war, which that's a throwback to what series, John? I know one that you're in particular, you you, you really like. No, uh, it happened over two series, DS9 and Voyager. See, I don't remember it on, um, on DS9. Help me out here. So I don't know necessarily if it was the temporal. It may not have been the temporal war. They just dabbled in time a lot. Uh, but you had that instance where, and it was was it time? There may not have been time when he when Doctor Bashir was trying to get to uh, the Section Thirty One guy. Yeah, I don't think that was time related. That would may not have been time, but definitely in Enterprise. There was a lot. I mean, that was pretty much the basis for oh, that, the book yeah, bookends of the, right. that series. You're right. You're right. You're right. And also, uh, Jeremy, we got a pretty good Voyager reference in this episode. Do you care to explain, or do you even catch it? Uh, I might not have caught it because I'm I'm trying to write my brain and I may have missed it. <laughs> so I feel like I should be ashamed of myself right now. Oh, you should be. So they eventually get to get the dilithium and get back to warp on Book's ship. But the warp is a little different. Mm. The slipstream drive, yes. Yeah. I catch that. The quantum slipstream is I what did. they're using. I was like, they finally got it right. Yeah. So it's it's the it's the basis of maybe what many people consider one of the best episodes of Voyager featuring Harry Kim. 
called Timeless to where they so just a little bit of backstory. They couldn't get the slipstream to work correctly because they had to make calculations so fast that the computers couldn't handle it. So they put a shuttle in front to try to make those calculations for Voyager so they, you know, they could navigate successfully. And that's like what happened in Timeless. The Voyager crash, everybody dies and they go back in time to fix all that. So, yeah, I I love that reference, man. That made me smile. Poor Harry Kim still didn't get a promotion. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, that was good. Uh, When I heard Slipstream, I hope they kind of go into a little more detail on the history of that and how they kind of reverted to that. But, well, I guess it was Dilithium. I want to say they came up with a new way of doing the Slipstream without using Dilithium, or was that the other propulsion source they were trying to I think that was the other propulsion source. Yeah, he mentioned three different types when he was walking along the side of his ship there. But he also mentioned the, uh, I know we've had this in different ships, but, you know, we just had it on Discovery with uh, King Queen Poe with the uh, dilithium recrystallizer. He specifically says that in this episode. But, I mean, we've had that in other ships since, I believe. So uh, I guess he has a mini version of that that he uses to, you know, uh, uh, be able to use a small amount of dilithium for a ship to power ship. Like That's what I was wondering. Like, man. That's not a lot of dilithium. <laughs> like a handful. A right. I have like a conspiracy theory about that whole dilithium thing. Let's have it. I believe that that dilithium is not like gone. I mean, well, obviously it's not completely gone. But like you guys just said, their ships like require so little of an amount of it. I feel like somebody has hoarded it all to like make it rare. <laughs> mm. And there's some kind of dilithium kingpin somewhere that we're going to find out about. <laughs> dilithium king. Yeah, well, you know, it could happen. It could happen. I just, we're probably going to have that same type of flashback we had in Picard where we're going to see what actually, you know, what actually went down. So, you know, we'll see. And I mean, we clearly see how this can affect the Federation, right? If they ship, if the ships can't, go to different star systems that as far as their mission, their mission is, is a hard thing to keep going after all of that. Right. I would say, I mean, that. so when it, like I was having a hard time understanding why the Federation would just stop existing until he mentioned the dilithium part. And that makes sense. I mean, the Federation was built off of warp drive and you can't have warp without dilithium. So, you know, but they still have it though. Like that's my that's my only hang up. And they don't say that all the dilith- they don't say all the dilithium. They say most of it. And that's not necessarily the lack of dilithium is not what killed the Federation. The lack of faith in the Federation is what killed the Federation. Yeah, but it made their faith harder when you was harder to get from one place to another. They didn't know if it would happen again. Well, if they had faith of the heart, they could have. Um... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> people stop believing in the federation like that's what caused the federation to collapse it wasn't the lack of dialogue i don't know man when your main mission is to seek out new worlds and new life and you can't really do that but if they keep quoting that freaking song don't they deserve to fail Oh, <laughs> but just think about how everybody in this episode with the Federation's mentioned it rolls their eyes like 
it's like, oh, you're one of those, you know, like it's and they're still using the lithium. They're still using well, it a very the, small the, amount. What made the Federation the Federation was that it was a, a alliance of planets across the solar system. Yes. Like and it took a long time, like for for episode the episode of DS9 I just finished they got a Jemadar ship and they went to blow up this uh station and the ship got damaged well it only took them like 8 hours to get there at warp which is very close in federation where 8 hours to get there at warp and it took like 23 hours to get to DS9 at warp well they went to this place in 8 hours at warp but when they got damaged their warp drive was down and they calculated how long it would take them to get back to their star base and it was like 17 years and something Jesus. at full impulse so if you don't have warp drive what used to take us eight hours to get to this other planet i mean the federation consists of humans bajor at that time cleaner i mean all those places if you can't get there the federation kind of doesn't exist it's just earth yeah i mean it's like we don't have any gasoline there's really no use for highways i know we have electric now but uh. I mean, even if you had little gasoline, you couldn't afford to waste a, a, that much of it going places. So then you lose your support. Hmm. Well, let's go ahead and talk about Aditya Sahil's hope on that communication station, uh, which he called. He said, welcome to Starfleet. So I, don't, I guess I don't know why he said that exactly, but that is just a Starfleet communication <laughs> station, I'm assuming. Uh, but he mentioned that. His father, his grandfather and his father used to be officers there. And it just got to the point to where the communications just started to break down and um, not knowing or the, the lack of cohesiveness of the Federation just began to break down and just got to the point where they were all alone. So I can definitely see where that community. I mean, if somebody cut off, well, it's kind of different, but if somebody cut off the Internet, you know. We'd find it pretty hard, you know, and they they can't contact headquarters and communicate with ships. You know, I think he said they had a 30 sector range on communications. So, yeah, I can I can see that being huge. And you know, I guess it all kind of started, you know, once once the lithium wasn't there and you didn't have people to go and service these uh, relays in, in these stations. So, yeah. Um, did, would you ever have as much faith as he had to continue? Yeah, I think he said 40 <laughs> years, didn't he? 40 years. Yeah. Waiting for that hope. He had faith. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it. I'm not. Kyle is very quiet, right? <laughs> he probably has you all muted. So... I, I think my original prediction on that discovery, I mean, we saw it in the, the original New York Comic Con trailer, that discovery would probably fall out either weeks or years later, uh, pretty much came, tr is what's going to happen, supposedly. So, Kyle, any thoughts on that, the discovery mm -hmm. coming later? Nope. I think it, that's my theory. I think discovery came first. Because, oh. yeah, because I think <laughs> that discovery crashed. And they're either somewhere on that planet. That's why she couldn't get in touch with them. That's why she couldn't raise them on whatever. And they're already crashed. And next week she will be reunited with them. So I do not think the Discovery is shipbound. I think it's crashed. And I think it's already there. That would be a good twist because I would have never saw that coming. Hmm. So, you know, the thoughts on that is Discovery coming later or is it already there? 
I tend to agree with Kyle. I think it's already there. That would be brilliant mm-hmm. if you're right on that, dude. <laughs> no, the only reason I say that I think it's already there, they made a purpose in the story this time to tell us that it may come tomorrow or it may come a thousand years into the future. She doesn't know. Well, that's so temporal, from, temporal uh, mechanics. You know, right, I get that. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm good with that. And I'm, and I, I'm, I'm so fine with that. But I think from a temporal mechanics of the viewer watching it, I think that was a misdirection. And that's why I think they're already there. Interesting. And you have no inside knowledge on this. No, absolutely no inside. Knowledge. That would be amazing if that's what happens. Oh my goodness! I'm I'm with Kyle. I think they're already there, but I think they happen to land on. So Burnham came out of that wormhole and hit his ship, which redirected her toward that planet. But at the speed they were going, if Discovery hadn't hit anything, weren't they planning on going to that other planet? That her mom was on and kept coming back to? Terralisium? Yeah. Hmm. I got a feeling that Discovery made it to Terralisium and Burnham got knocked off course. On Elon. Yeah, I don't think the Discovery's broken down. Hmm. I don't know. I guess we'll find out in a few days, man. That's that's a good theory, though. I I, I like that, actually. It is so, a good theory. So, so, so here's the reason why, Carrie, I agree. I mean, I disagree with you that I think Discovery is broken down because it is such an old ship that they will need to be. I, I, I don't see that ship being functional in this society. And, you know, I think of it as trying to take a Model T car and driving it in 2020. For the most part, it's not going to work. That said, that plus the new logo is the reason why I don't think that discovery will be functional. We don't think the discovery caused the burn, do we? But how much oh. dilithium is on the discovery? Do we the know? Discovery doesn't need dilithium. It runs off the spore drive. They have warp too. They have warp. Yeah, they have, they have warp. But, but, like, but what I'm saying is like integral it, part to this story because they're, they're going to be the only ship they can get back and forth easily with, because of the spore drive. They're not going to have a need for that. And I may be wrong. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't know. But they have to go to Wado's junkyard for parts because it's such an old ship. <laughs> did you just throw a pod racing joke in here? I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> I understood that reference. <laughs> that was for you, actually. <laughs> oh, me boy. <laughs> but oh, man, wouldn't that be actually the Discovery's technology would be new technology to these people because they hadn't heard of the spore drive. That's true. Yes, very true. true. Well, just the spore drive part. Everything else is a relic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Hmm. All right. Well, guys, I don't I think this all of the notes I have. Any other observations that anybody wants to bring up before we give our rating? Yeah, I have a question slash comment. You know, I'm not trying to be a dead horse here, but like how it's only been like a hundred years since this whole burn thing happened, right? At this point in the at this point of time that they enter, it's only been a it's only been a hundred years since that happened, right? I believe right. so. Yes. So where does that leave us as far as like like technology? It I feel like technology should be way more advanced if it only happened a hundred years ago. I was thinking it happened like it at first I was thinking it happened like way, 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 way before that. But I mean that's a hundred years is that long. Well also you had the, the, the temporal war, which I think was maybe three three or four hundred years before that, and all of that technology got destroyed. 
Yeah, the time technology. Yeah. Hmm. I, I feel like there's a lot that we need to to have mapped out because I, I still don't have a clear picture of like exactly where we are in the timeline. I mean, I know we're on a timeline, but like as far as like what's at play, I feel like that happened too recent for it to be like a huge, huge, huge part of the story. But I don't know. Well, because hmm. I mean, 100 years is not that long. Like it's especially in a show like this. That's not very long at all. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. No doubt. One, 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 one thing real quick. The opening credits, I liked how they took scenes that we had seen last year and and gave them like a futuristic upgrade. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, they took the um, the phaser and upgraded it to the you know, yeah. I guess 22nd century phaser. And we have like the the Wallies in the, I don't know what they're called, worker bees, the Wally bots. In the, right. I've seen that. Thanks to you guys. I skipped the credits now, so <laughs> I need to go back and watch them now. Yeah, well, they posted online like a couple of days before. I did. I, I watched it then. I actually skipped it when the show was on, but I watched it a few days back. There's also a looks like at the very end of the credits, there's a wormhole looking thing and a ship headed toward it. So no, no. All right. Let's go around the horn and get everybody's rating for this episode. And uh, let's start with you, Jeremy. What do you think? Very easily a five out of five. Awesome. That is no question. The only issue I had with this episode, and it's not really an issue, is that we got, like, like we mentioned before, we got no indication of what's happened to the ship or the crew of Discovery. Like, not even like a little scene of like a crash ship or something. But that's okay. If they, if they do it right on the next episode, that'll be, that'll be okay. Yeah. And I think the fact that she was trying to communicate, uh, find a means to communicate with them, uh, made it poignant like others have mentioned carrie mentioned that that it not be in this episode yeah yeah i would have liked i would like to see something but they didn't they didn't give it to us but i think ultimately it'll be for the best yeah what do you think john brady uh man i hate to say five because you can't go <laughs> past five you know what i mean yeah like, like what if we see what if the next episode is double is better like two times better than this one then what do you say five times I mean <laughs> ten <laughs> but five man I, I have I had no problem with this episode whatsoever I enjoyed it and I think one of you guys mentioned a little bit earlier it was like watching a movie like I sit down and I watched it and it was like I was at the theaters watching a feature length movie and I enjoyed every bit of it and I hate it when it ended yeah agreed. Yeah, I hear a lot of people complaining that Michael Burnham is too emotional. Emotional? How how could she not be? Sorry, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm with you. I feel like she does an excellent job of the emotion, and I mean, it, the the moment when Sahil is like, "You are that hope." All the yeah. feels, man. All the freaking feels, dude. And then she gives him a a field promotion. Oh, she didn't have to do yeah. that, but she did yeah. it. So that good. That was awesome. So freaking good. That was probably my favorite part of this episode. Oh, man. Carrie, what do you think, man? Okay, so <clears throat> I'm going to use the same grading system I use for Lower Decks. And this is, I don't have a universal Star Trek episode rating. So don't don't think that I'm saying that any episode is of another series is better than this one. But I base my ratings off, do, do I think um, there is room for improvement? I actually do. Um, and the main reason I say that is... There's just so many questions that are unanswered right now. Like, I don't really have a good feel for this universe. I mean, yeah, we're in the future. Yeah, it's dystopian. 
yeah, the lithium's gone. But I, I, I need to know more about what's happening. I didn't really get a whole lot of that. I mean, we know, like, we saw what one planet. Um, I just feel like there's a lot more that they have to explain. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a, a, a three and a half. And like I said, that's not because I think that this episode was bad. I don't. I just feel like there's a lot of room for for them to grow. Um, as far as like just explaining this this universe, explaining like the um, what is the right word? Explaining the lore of this the lore of this universe. Like I just I don't know what's happening right now. If that makes any sense, maybe it doesn't make sense. And of of course, you can't explain the entire universe in an hour. And I didn't expect them to, but I'm just. That's just more of me saying that, do I think the episodes are going to get better? Yes, I do. I, I strongly feel like they're going to get better because there's just so there's so much more that they have to explain. I mean, like, I know they're in the future, but we still don't know, like, what the overarching plot for this, this the season. Like, what's what's the goal here? Right now, the goal is going to be find discovery. Like, right now, the goal is find a discovery. That's not going to be the goal at the, you know, in the middle of the season. Like this is like a one or two episode thing where she's going to be looking for the discovery. So I want to know more about what their objectives are. Are they trying to get home? Like, are they trying to reestablish Starfleet? I assume that they're going to be reestablishing Starfleet. One thing I really wanted to answer that didn't get answered, and it couldn't have gotten answered because of the way they set this episode up, but they showed it in the previews. I feel like she's going to be the captain of the discovery, the new captain. Um, So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Hundred percent. I can't wait to see how that how that plays out. And I think for me, if you think about what the trajectory of the season is, of course we have the short goal of finding the discovery. But I kind of think it's going to be trying to be, rebuild a federation and what that means in twenty one eighty eight or thirty one eighty eight. But how they're going to do that? I'm sure they're going to have some roadblocks along the way, and that's going to be set up other stuff down the line. So yeah, Cal, what do you think, man? So while I respect and acknowledge everything Carrie said and and your valid points and your logic behind your 3.5, I get. But I've got to give it a five because I see this as not only the let's see how do I want to say this. I see this as not only the premiere of series three of Discovery, but I also see this as the first episode pilot episode of a brand new version of Star Trek that we've never seen before ever in my opinion on screen so because of that I've got to give it a five but is it is it a new I version of is. Star Trek I think it is man <laughs> yes yes um so I wrote I did a, a written review which you can find on medium where I kind of like talk about like what the different shows have been in the original edict is that the word of of what Star Trek is, you know, to boldly go where no man's gone before. You know, we've seen di- various different variations on that in different shows. You know, we've seen a recasting of kind of kind of the same show with a TNG. You know, we had a space station. We had marooned out here in another quadrant. And we had going back to beginning the Federation itself. And then we had Discovery that played in that time frame right before the original series. And, you know, we in I think Kyle's you brought up when we first got discoveries that why not put it in the future? Why not give yourself this clean slate to do something new and exciting uh, in the, as far as how Star Trek, the different Star Trek type of shows have we had over the years. And I think this is finally what we're going to get. Now, 
from my personal opinion, I think we needed the first two seasons to get here because this episode wouldn't have had the same emotional impact of seeing Burnham make this journey as if we would have started here. If we would have started here, it would have probably felt just like another Star Trek show. And it's hard to say. That's weird to say. But (laughs) I mean, honestly, I mean, we've put the the groundwork into getting to this point in the in, you know, having the relationship with these characters. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give it a five out of five. Um, I do think we'll have some maybe some worse episodes in the season. So um, and I just I can't give have any fault with this one. Uh, and just thinking of the different season openers we've had for Discovery itself. Um, you know, I put it right up there with uh, Battle with the Binary Stars, Welcome Hello. And to me, this was was very vastly different, but still, you know, a great cinematic take. I mean, I think the visuals were great. Alatuni Asasami did an excellent job of shooting this episode. You know, we kind of had the Jason Bourne type camera in this episode a lot. <laughs> I just thought it was a masterpiece and they, they shot this in Iceland. Um, so, yeah, I, I I can't really give any faults. I uh, just want to know more about where the story is going to go. And I'm sure we're going to get that as the season progresses. And again, I just want to clarify that I don't think this was a bad episode. I'm just using the same criteria I use for lower decks. I just believe it can be even better than it is. Even though it's great, I feel like it's going to get even better. So just want to clarify that. No, no, no. You're you're, you're cool, dude, because I I rate stuff the same way. (laughs) You're good. You're good. I just hope that they don't do what they did with Spock. So, you know. We knew Spock would be part of the show, but they waited so long to bring him. And I hope they don't do Discovery this way. Like, I, I really want her to find Discovery, like, in the next one or two episodes. I don't want to get... Well, now about I, to be disappointed. We're gonna, I know we're going to see Discovery in the next episode. I'm pretty sure of that. But when she finds them... Eh. It'll probably be mid-season, I'm thinking. Yeah, I agree with mid-season. I said maybe the third or fourth episode at the latest. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, thanks, guys. And uh, we'll go around a horn and see what everybody... If no other comments, we'll go around a horn and see what everybody's been working on, watching, listening to, podcast-related or otherwise. Carrie, what's been up to, man? Not much. Um, I've been playing this video game called Genshin Impact. It's a free-to-play Zelda Breath of the Wild star- style RPG. Um, it's a gotcha game, which basically means that um, it's free to play, but you can pay to like get new characters and items and stuff. But you can play the game without paying any money. And for a free, well, not just a free game. It's better. It's better than a lot of games I've paid for. Um, so if you're looking for something new, kind of in the action adventure, Breath of the Wild style Zelda type, definitely check it out. It's free. Download it. Awesome. Genshin yeah. Impact. I've heard good things about that as well. It's out of China, right? It's a Chinese. Yeah, yeah it's a Chinese developed game. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, Cal Jones, what about you, man? All right. So I don't normally say what I'm watching. So I will say that I am watching something that I started about three weeks ago. And considering the fact this is your traditional American series with 20 something episodes a season, I'm on season five in three weeks of elementary. So I've got two seasons after that. And if you're a Sherlock Holmes fan, it's awesome. Cool beans. That's the one with Lucy Liu on it, right? Yes. Nice. Cool beans. Jeremy, what about you, man? 
Um, other than work, really not really a whole lot. I've been watching a lot of Brooklyn Nine Nine here lately because oh. it's just a, I love that show. Yes. Um, and that's really it. Cool beans. And John, what about you, dude? Uh, just DS Nine, man. I'm getting into the good parts of DS Nine where they're taking back the space station and getting heavy in the Dominion War and. I just watched the episode with the space battle that they redid in 4K for the uh, the docu- DS9 documentary we went to see. So watching that over again was awesome. So that was pretty good. And other than that, I did a, my first uh, kind of hike today. If anyone's ever in South Mississippi, you go to Tylertown, Mississippi, and they have this place called Red Bluff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a eroded section of some land and there's they call it a mini canyon it's probably 150 foot down 200 foot down uh but it's probably a two mile hike down the canyon and to the pearl river and back up the other side so i did that today that was amazing it was awesome and for us to be trick people and talking about tech it's also a great thing to separate yourself from all of that and just spend some time with yourself and nature and Enjoy, enjoy the world as is. So, definitely get out and explore. Would be my advice today. That's awesome, man. I wish Mississippi had a lot more hiking places to go hiking. I've I've explored that before, but I'm kind of like too scared to go to woods. Find somebody to go hiking with me. <laughs> I'll go with you. man. Actually, there's so um, see it gave showed me this app called All Trails. Yeah, I've heard of that. And, yeah. Yeah, so it has every hiking trail that you can pretty much find that anyone has done. They have it on there. It's kind of a social group. People get on and log their trails and all that. And that's quite a bit in Mississippi. Now, albeit it's not like the Grand Canyon or anything like that. But, I mean, compare it. So the Red Bluff got on that app. It was rated four and a half stars at moderate difficulty. And there's probably about 10, 10 or 15 more in Mississippi that are rated four stars or more at a moderate difficulty. So I'm planning on doing a few more in the future. Dude, hit me up. We'll, I'll join you. Awesome. We'll do it. it, it man, they say it moderate, but it, some parts of it got really tough. You know what I mean? Like there was almost 70 degree inclines. Like you're climbing and grabbing tree roots and slipping and, it was fun, man. It was it was a good workout. My heart rate stayed up. It was great to be in nature. So definitely, I'm going to call you next time we do one. Awesome sauce. And for me, I would say just check out uh, the Discussing Network Medium where I'll be doing written reviews of all these, of all the Discovery episodes. I might even go back and do some Picard. But for right now, I have the, the first episode of Discovery That Hope Is You up and available. So check that out at medium.com slash discussing dash network and that's it guys once again thanks for joining uh if you want to send in feedback you can send that to fans at discussing or hit us up at discussing trek on any and all of the social medias until next time guys live long and prosper Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe.
Are things just not the same for you after Tony Stark's in-game snap? Are you desperately looking forward to the Snyder Cut to regain your love for the Justice League? Disappointed by the return of Skywalker? And how angry are you about Star Trek killing Picard only to reanimate him in a golem? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you need help. And I'm here to give it to you. I'm Tasha Pierce, host of After the Snap podcast. Every Sunday, join me as I present reasons for you to fall in love again with sci-fi. After the Snap, virtual group therapy for all of sci-fi's depressing moments. On Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are served. Discussing that word. Book Rogers of the 31st century or whatever.